welcome to 13, the bi-weekly podcast where Colgate community members answer 13 questions about their work. My name is Daniel DeVries, and today we will be chatting with Colgate Vice President and Director of Athletics, Nikki Moore. Moore joined Team Colgate in July of 2018, having previously worked for the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, where she served as the Senior Associate Athletic Director and Senior Woman Administrator. Moore leads a staff of about 120 coaches and administrators and uh, trainers that help support Colgate's 25 Division I athletic teams and more than 500 scholar-athletes. In her role at UNC, Moore guided 25 administrators for 28 sports with more than 800 student-athletes, achieving two top 10 Directors' Cup finishes, five national championships, and eight ACC championships. An accomplished scholar, Moore has been published for her academic work related to training and conditioning, psychological guidelines for coaches, athletic trainers, and athletes, and for the development of the student-athlete experience. Moore is a graduate of the University of Missouri and holds a doctorate and master's degree in counseling psychology with an emphasis in sports psychology and a bachelor's in secondary education. Professor Moore, welcome to 13. Well, thank you so much, Dan. I'm glad to be here. All right. So I think I I always like to set the table a little bit, particularly when I'm talking with administrators on campus. And I want to learn a little bit more about what your day-to-day looks like. What is the role of the Vice President and Director of Athletics at Colgate? That is a, that's a great question. Um, and in non-COVID years, it would be a great question. And, and, and it's all, it feels like it all has shifted in some ways, but I think when you boil it down to the, to the very basic role, it's, I think to set, to establish and communicate a common vision and to, um, recruit and retain and, or recruit, retain, develop really great people, um, to help carry out that vision. Um, to establish a set of um, standards and we call what ours virtues and to hold people accountable to those. Um, You know, it's also about uh, representing the university, both um, in the community and at the league level and at the national level uh, in various ways. And uh, certainly as the vice president, um, and, uh, you know, as we think about the division of physical education, recreation, and athletics, there's also a component of uh, participating, and a really critical component of participating on the president's cabinet and, um, you know, helping to vet those kinds of leadership decisions at the campus level um, and providing direction for, for PE rec and outdoor education. As an undergrad at the University of Missouri, you were a four-time captain on the track and field and cross-country teams, a three-time conference champion, a two-time NCAA championship qualifier, and a silver medalist at the USA Outdoor Junior Nationals and the Junior Pan Am Games. You were also an academic All-American, earning postgraduate scholarships from both the NCAA and the Big 12 Conference. How does your time as a college athlete influence your management style today and how you work with students and coaches and everyone else? Uh, You know, I was, uh, President Casey and I were just talking about this recently about how um, our experiences, as you know, he was also a Division I athlete, um, how our experiences as 
as an athlete at that level, um, have prepared us so well in so many ways. It shows up in, in wait time at times that you don't really expect it and maybe don't even realize it. But just when I think about the, the amount of persistence and um, adjustments that we've done in this last year, um, the endurance that's required um, to, you know, work long hours doing all sorts of things. Um, and the, um, I think it, it also honed or, or started to develop my skills as a, as a leader and as someone who can connect with, relate to, represent, and advocate for a, a diverse set of, of people. Um, I think that also is a critical part of, of what I do today. And and really got it start at that point. Um, you know, and there's also certainly, um, I think about just the, um, kind of level of achievement that you're going for, you know, I mean, it's, there, there's, I'm, I'm really grateful that I did get to compete in an environment where we were, um, it was reasonable, um, to dream really big dreams. Um, you know, it was reasonable to think about, um, being an Olympic hopeful or reasonable to think about um, winning a national championship. And, um, and so I find myself, I think it's, it's maybe easier to imagine those big things, um, whatever that big thing might be in my, in my current role. So you don't need to name all of the sports that we compete in, um, but I would like to know a little bit about our athletics operation. Um, and I'm curious, like, how many games do our teams play in a, in a typical year? How many miles? Do you have any like numbers that might blow our mind as far as like what, what it takes to run an operation of a, a division one school with, uh, you know, 25 different teams competing? You know, that's a, that's a great question. And I wish I had an answer for it. Um, I need to, I'm going to like make a note to, to get that, um, have that at the tip of my tongue, but it's thousands. I mean, it's, it's in the thousands of, of events each year. Um, and you know, right now it feels like that, even though it's not because, you know, with, with COVID and operating the way we are, we have all 25 of our sports essentially competing at the same time. And Mm -hmm. we run, and I tell our student athletes, I've been telling our student athletes this too, you know, we, in, in normal years, we won't run a pretty efficient operation for a division one institution with that many student athletes and that many programs. And so with everyone competing on top of each other, it, it is a, a real challenge right now. Um, you know, even just this week, you think about um, we've got um, both tennises competing, both soccers, both lacrosses. Um, we've got basketball, both hockey's still competing, sending the women off to the national championship tournament, help, you know, hope cheering on the men to try to, to get to the dance. And, uh, and then it's also opening week for softball and football. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it takes a, a, it's, it's a logistical, um, surface in a lot of ways. And, and we only pull it off because of the incredible people that we have working in the department, but, um, but I, I wish I did have some good numbers for you. That's Sorry right. about that. All right. <laughs> and then, you know, you do mention this year is obviously far different than those of years past. Mm-hmm. Um, it, with, I'm curious. Are, what teams are competing? You mentioned a bunch of them. Uh, is everyone competing right now? Is there anyone who has been sidelined? And I'm curious how um, Holgate is supporting athletics during this time of COVID. Like, what is the university doing um, mm. to try and keep everyone safe? 
Yeah. So, you know, it, it really starts with the university's overall effort to be, to have, you know, be in person. Um, and it started back in the fall. Um, Colgate Athletics was, um, we, we benefited hugely by having everyone back on our campus and by working through the gates gradually um, such that we were able to return to practice um, in full team practices over time. But I think for a longer period of time than many of our, uh, our, our league colleagues, our league peers. And so, um, so that alone has been a, a critical piece. And, and had we not done that, I don't think that the, that the, the, the university would have been supportive you know, of, of athletics doing something that was vastly different than, um, than you know, what other students are able to do. Um, so, and, and now that we're here, you know, we have been, um, conducting our student athletes who are in up to, so two weeks before they start competing, we start them in a testing protocol where they test three times a week. Um, we do that over in our facilities under the guidance of student health on campus. And, um, I think we've, we're, we're getting close to having conducted 6,000 tests since we started that back in November. Um, and, and so I think all of our teams right now, um, with the exception of those who have now finished their competition. So for example, women's basketball has finished their, their competitive segment. So they are no longer doing that testing protocol, but everybody else, um, starting this week actually is in that protocol. So, um, so that's happening. Um, you know, the athletics has, um, has we we athletics has worked really closely with the the emergency operations center um, to try to as closely as possible align our policies and align the way that we're conducting intercollegiate athletics in a manner that's as consistent as we can as it can be with the university's policies. So, for example, um, students aren't allowed to travel um, this semester. And, and, and so, but for athletics to happen, we have to travel in order to go meet those competitors. Um, we are able to do so in that um, both that our competitors have to meet our testing standards. And so um, theoretically and, and practically, everyone who is meeting at where, whether it's here at home or at a different um, institution goes there and arrives um, COVID-free. They've been tested thoroughly. They arrive, they compete, they get back on the bus and they go home. So we are, re you know, we've reduced overnights as much as possible. Um, we're doing day trips, you know, way more than we normally do. And, um, and then also the competitive schedules have been reduced considerably um, from what a normal year would be. So, um, so the university, um, the health analytics team has been incredibly helpful to us. They help to vet the schools, the competitors that we're about to go compete against every week. Um, and there have certainly been times when they have provided guidance and it's caused us to shift what we're doing, whether it's testing or rescheduling or whatever, um, to be able to keep our community safe, keep our student athletes safe, and, um, you know, to, to really go about this in a, um, a way that's philosophically consistent um, with what we're doing everywhere else. And last semester, when everything was shut down, um, athletics kind of went dormant, but the folks working in athletics didn't, right? Can you talk a little right. bit about what some of your team did to help uh, contribute to, I guess, um, getting everything running again? Yeah, you bet. You know, we, 
I remember it was in early August um, and last year and, and the executive group or the cabinet was on, on a call on a Zoom. And um, the sort of, we were processing our, this plan to return all of our students in person and starting to really start to like the reality of how or the magnitude of how many people it was going or what kind of person power it was going to take to pull it off was really starting to settle in. About the same time, a decision had been made at the Patriot League um, to cancel or, or postpone fall athletics. And um, it just sort of became evident that, um, that, that we could provide, um, help provide the workforce to make it happen. And we knew that, I knew that um, our people could be uh, mobilized in short order. I knew that our people have a great deal of energy and enthusiasm for this place, a lot of love for Colgate. And, and I really believed that, um, that, that we could help, um, and, and meet the needs. So we, um, our people delivered books, they delivered packages, they delivered meals, um, they monitored outdoor time, um, throughout, you know, the, that, especially that quarantine time, um, helped with testing, you know, just really kind of helped and plugged in across the campus. And in fact, um, some of our people were instrumental in scheduling all of those things too. So they did a, a really fantastic job and, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm grateful that um, they did it with such a great attitude. And, uh, and I know our campus has been grateful for their efforts as well. Agreed. I was firsthand witness to Bridget St. Ledger coordinating yes. meal delivery uh, during yes. quarantine. It was uh, such a massive undertaking. So yes, it really was. And she, she took it on, took on a scheduling role in the spring as well. And, and pulled through um, in, in a similar way. So yeah, we have some really, really good people over there. So prior to your time at UNC, you worked for 11 years at the University of Oklahoma as the Senior Associate Athletics Director for Student Life and Strategic Planning. And you oversaw the construction and operations of Headington Hall, which a residence hall, uh, and you led the academic, athletics, academic, and student life division as well as served as senior woman administrator. Uh, do you expect that you'll have to put on your construction and operation hat on anytime soon at Colgate? Do, are we going to see any changes down in the athletics facilities in the years ahead? I am going to say a confident yes. Um, so, uh, so that, that hat is already on <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, I don't, anyone that, that knows Colgate knows that, um, we, unfortunately, while we may, athletics may contribute to the the beauty and um, aesthetic uh, of Colgate that is common to Colgate on the field or on the ice or in the pool um, through the efforts of our student athletes, we don't so much do so um, with our, our the, the broad street facing uh, read. <laughs> facility. And, uh, and it's, it's serving us well from a practical standpoint and in many ways, but it's time, um, that, that building was, was built in such a way that was not intended. I don't think to last as long as it has. And, and it just doesn't serve our campus in the right way. So, um, and then we've got a long list of other, other things that we would like to get to, um, as well on the construction front, but we're really going to, uh, pour our focus into, reimagining read. Um, and we are, are well into the process of developing conceptual 
um, drawings uh, for that 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 renewed facility. And our, our hope is that as soon as the summer, we will have the opportunity to start to uh, do some fundraising to get that project off the ground um, in relatively short order. For people unfamiliar with Reed, it, it's a building that looks a little bit like a World War II aircraft hangar. It's like yes. these dome tunnel looking things. I have been, I've heard them called um, the huts. I've heard them called the barrels. Um, <laughs> I have never heard them called beautiful. So, yes. um, so we were, our aim is to get to a place where um, it's a, a beautiful facility that draws people in that really sets the stage for um, not only our student athletes uh, endeavors to compete at the highest level, but also that serves as a gathering place and a, a place where students across and faculty and staff and community members from across our campus and our region can come together and um, build a sense of community and uh, cheer our student athletes on and, and, you know, that it can be a, a significant event space as well uh, for this campus that is, I think, I think really needed right now. Hmm. You mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I did want to congratulate you officially for the women's hockey team winning the ECAC uh, championship yes. this past week. Um, what are some of the most memorable moments uh, of teams, or I guess you know, in general, mm. since you since you've taken on your role here? Oh my goodness! Um, you know, one of the first ones that comes to mind. Um, honestly, one of the first ones that comes to mind is the the um, um, JMU football game um, in the fall of, of 2018 when we were in the playoffs and and uh, you know the the field goal that that sealed the deal and and moved us forward and uh, and and I also remember standing in the stands um, or, or President Casey and myself positioning ourselves in the student sections we called it section 13 in the visitor stands. Um, attempting to maintain some sort of order, um, and but but also in enjoying the the just the joy uh, that this community had rallying around that team and and coming together for that display of incredible talent. Um, you know, gosh, the um, you know I think about the 2019 uh, run in the the tournament, the NCAA tournament, winning that championship on Cotterell Court. The, the league championship and then moving along to Ohio was, was such a great time. And, and, and being in the, uh, the tailgate area with the, the fans, um, who would come, you know, from far and wide to cheer on Colgate and then to be in that arena, um, and to have clearly the, our team won that arena. Um, the arena was behind us and mm -hmm. it was loud and it was exciting and, uh, and we, we got pretty close, pretty darn close to beating Tennessee. Um, that was a big one. You know, I also think about, um, some like, uh, in the summer, some of the golf tournaments, um, getting to meet the alumni and, and being out with our alumni and, and witnessing the, um, camaraderie that exists amongst our alumni, uh, the army football game in the fall of, it must've been the fall of, um, 19. And they set us up in this swamp, um, our tent. We had a, a, a tailgating tent. They set us up in this swamp. It had been snowing and icy. 
and people were, and, and literally, I'm not even kidding. I have pictures to prove it. The mud was up to our, like above our ankles. And, and, and there was like a, you know, a sign that said VIP tent. And (laughs) here's the, here's the, while I was fuming, I was so frustrated because there was a perfectly dry, perfectly empty, um, parking lot, like right next to it. And while I was fuming, I was also marveling at Colgate people, like, folks were just like, eh, you know, let's just, you know, they barreled right in there, you know, and and it was the relationships that they were going to go engage with and the people they were going to go see um, to them was, was way more important than the conditions that they experienced. And, and it just was a powerful moment of um, witnessing the the character of Colgate people. Um, that was, was pretty powerful. I could go on and on. I think about our Golden Gates awards that we've had and some of the student athletes that have come through there and, and, you know, been recognized and, uh, you know, getting to see our rowers out on the lake, Lake Moraine last fall. Um, I got to go out and, and see both the men and women, you know, sort of do an inter-squad with each other. That was really cool. So there's some really special ones across the board. Your education background is focused on counseling uh, psychology with an emphasis in sports psychology. So I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about how you've applied that knowledge to the role uh, of an athletic director and has it spurred anything um, different or changed anything here at Colgate? Mm. You know, I think when you go through that kind of training and um, and practice, frankly, because I was essentially training and practicing as a psychologist for, I don't know, let's see, it would have been from about, you know, 1996 until about, uh, 2014. So, um, for that long period of time, it, in some ways you, it changes the way you think, um, and, and process things and the way that you, um, are with people in some ways. And so sometimes it's hard for me to know when I'm, calling up, it's not, you know, calling up that sort of part of my training and when it's just become part of who I am. And so it's a little hard to, to separate the two, but I do know this. Um, I've never been, been a place where, um, we've talked about expectations that we have of our community members, like, like we do here. And I think that it is reflective of my training and background and education. Um, so for example, when, um, from the very beginning, uh, I, when I sort of met with my staff for the very first time, I said, look, I, my expectations for all of us, um, from head coaches down to the interns, um, and everybody in between and beyond, um, is I have three expectations and that's to love, to listen and to lead. And, um, we can, I could go through all of those and explain what we mean by that. But, um, you know, that's, it's, sort of uncommon, I think, for those things to be talked about as a, as an, in an athletics community. Um, but I also would say that it has held up, for example, um, in the first few months of my time here, I met with everybody, um, and did individualized interviews and, and talked to them. And I think that probably was in some ways, um, you know, really listening to people and, and trying to get to know them, um, quickly and, um, it is part of my training too, but I heard from them that part of what makes Colgate so unique is the sense of community. Um, you know, is a sense that we are in this together and 
Um, and so, you know, I do think that um, my training and philosophy and um, and way of leading, I believe, is pretty well aligned with the with what makes Colgate so special. And and so, you know, our effort is to become the very best version of Colgate athletics, um, not to be like any other particular, you know, um, division one athletics department, but to be our very best, um, self, if you will. And, um, that also feels a little bit like a psychologist might be, you know, around. Um, so, so yeah, I think it shows up in, in lots of ways and, and hopefully in ways that are generative and, and positive for people's overall development. Along those lines, you know, racial justice has been at the forefront of our collective national conversation for a few years now. And in particular, I think a lot of that was spurred uh, by Colin Kaepernick and, um, you know, other uh, professional athletes that have, you know, played a large role in um, bringing up uncomfortable conversations and necessary conversations. And I'm wondering how Colgate Athletics has engaged in the work of diversity, equity, and inclusion mm -hmm. since you took the helm. Mm-hmm. Um, we could spend a, a lot of time on this one, I think, but I'll try to be succinct. So, um, after I did all of those interviews that I mentioned, um, it became the, the vision for who we could be, um, became clear. And that was to be an inclusive community of competitive excellence. Um, and so from right from, from the very beginning, we were talking about these things about how can we how can we be truly inclusive? How can we ensure that there is a place for everyone um, in Colgate athletics and that we will respect the dignity um, of everyone, um, you know, regardless of their, um, their, their politics, their identities, et cetera. Um, and, and then we set out shortly thereafter, I think in the fall of, of 2018, we established our um, three standing committees. And one of those was our diversity, equity, and inclusion committee. Um, and so that committee began some work, started to develop some strategies for education. Um, you know, in the spring, last spring in February, we, we brought in a, a an inclusion, um, educator and an anti-racist inclusion educator and Jen Fry. And, uh, and that, um, and we also, sort of tasked the DEI committee with developing a strategic plan um, for how we would, that, that our intentions would be manifest in outcomes. And so um, we did a lot of work over the course of that year. This fall, um, we launched our plan for to build an inclusive community, um, which is structured along the university's six tenets of um, DEI initiatives. And, um, but then this summer, you know, so, so last spring, sorry, I'm back and forth from a timeline perspective, but in the, in the spring was when we went on lockdown, um, it, it became clear that we had an opportunity and that the opportunity was that, that we could keep sort of pressing forward and working on growing and getting better in this time. We had no idea how long it was going to last or what it was going to look like. Um, but I was aware of a program that was a positive coaching, um, program out of Missouri. My coach, my former coach actually had developed it. And so we started a pro positive coaching initiative last, 
I think it was at the end of April. And it was uh, every other week, everybody got together in the department and, uh, or all the coaches, everyone was invited, but, but definitely, but the coaches were sort of expected to be there, head assistants, everybody. Um, and, and we tackled 13 different sessions starting in April and we ended up finishing this fall. Um, but I think one of the things that came out of that is it really, um, helped us to start to have more regular dialogue amongst everyone, um, on hard conversations, on sharing best practices, the whole bit. So we're in that, that, um, mode. And then, um, you know, in May and June, we, we have George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and, um, we have Breonna Taylor, you know, we have all of these, this, this sort of culminating, um, situation where our country, um, finally is starting to see in, in very, in, in clearer, um, in a clearer sense, the injustices that um, people of color, Black people in particular, are, are um, subject to. So we paused the positive coaching and we engaged in a series of conversations about racial injustice this summer with our entire athletics community. And, um, and those were really powerful, I think, to just start the conversation because um, you know, some people, everybody's on, on the spectrum in terms of their level of exposure, you know, with these ideas and their level of interest, their level of motivation for addressing them. Um, that then led into the launch of our plan. And then in December, we started a, um, a book club in athletics that everyone has been participating in, um, uh, each week we've split up into small groups and in each week uh, we take on a different set of uh, chapters from the book, me and white supremacy and having these sort of in-depth conversations there. Um, and then we've been supporting our student athletes, you know, in terms of their interest and, and knowing um, that, that these are, these are not just philosophical matters for our student athletes. These are issues and um, realities that they are living with every day, particularly our student athletes of color, but also our student, our, our white student athletes um, who, who have, they too have different levels of exposure, but are expected to operate, you know, at a, at a level and with a, a level of understanding um, that, that maybe in some ways um, they too have grown up in a culture that has been influenced by white supremacy. And, and they too have had a pretty whitewash history in all likelihood and those sorts of things. So anyway, so we've been, you know, promoting and, and providing opportunities for our students to participate. They developed, they designed a t-shirt um, that says United Against Racial Injustice and everyone got one of those. They've been able to activate that in different ways. Um, we've encouraged them to develop um, uh, public, uh, public service announcements, PSAs, before their games, um, associated with the anthem, exp expressing sort of, you know, how they're engaging, um, with the anthem and, um, you know, why some of, and, and what, why some of them are doing what they're doing, uh, so that it's not just a, you know, that it's an, another opportunity for education. Um, and so that's really kind of been our approach is how do we continue to educate and encourage people to engage in these difficult conversations to move the needle forward at every level? Um, it can't just come from me and my staff, or my you know senior team, but but at every level, um, we're interacting with these students and and need to I think have an awareness of what they're experiencing and and hopefully hopefully start to do things different and impact the systems that they're also um, subject to. When when I think most folks who do a little bit of research about our Division One athletics program 
um, you know, they understand the basics. But I guess, <clears throat> what do you wish more people knew about Colgate Athletics? So what what would you like the program to be known for? Mm. Well, I'd like for the program to be known for actually being an inclusive community of competitive excellence. Um, and and to, to us, that does mean that we are um, pursuing an inclusive community, but we're also comp- pursuing competitive excellence in every field and every arena. Literally, it's, it's you know, sort of a tagline, but it's also a, a, a real thing um, where Colgate Athletics is a place where students can come and have a world-class elite education um, and educational experience. And we are, we protect that and, um, and sort of uh, embrace that in such a way, because we know that it, that that's one of our competitive advantages. That's like, in fact, one of our top competitive advantages when it comes to recruiting um, talented student athletes and uh, when it comes to retaining them, they, um, we, we know that, that that's critical um, here at Colgate. And then, and we also want them though, to have the same level of excellent experience in athletics as they do in the classroom. And that's a very high bar. Our faculty have set an incredibly high bar um, for what it means to to be excellent. And so, um, you know, we are aiming to um, win championships. We're aiming to win league championships. We're aiming to compete for championships on the national stage. And uh, we we believe we can do that um, with the the kind of students, the kind of coaches, the kind of staff that we can recruit here. So, um, so yeah, we want to be known to in, in Colgate Athletics to be living up to the very high standard of the academic experience at Colgate. This is a very uh, very intense question here, so I hope you're ready. It was recently announced that breakdancing will become an Olympic sport in 2024. <laughs> What college sports do you feel are left out of the Olympics? And is there any that you uh, wish that you could see one day there? And also, do you think Colgate will be starting any new competitive sports in the years to come? Oh, wow. That's an interesting question. Um, I think our hockey folks would say broomball um, yeah. should definitely be in the Olympics. Um, you know, I think our... Uh, um, I, several years ago, I would have said softball. Um, I, but softball's back in now and it, it had been taken out as back in. Um, you know, I think we've had some requests recently for, to, to try to build some paddle tennis courts. And, uh, so who knows, maybe paddle tennis should be in there, but, um, and what was the second part of your question? Do you foresee any new competitive sports uh, coming to Colgate in the years to come? Like, any, if, are we going to have 26 D1? I guess it would yeah. be 27, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a great question. Um, we, uh, presently support the 25 sports that we have at a level that allows them to be competitive for the most part, but, but we've also, you know, we, we don't support everybody at the same level. And, um, so I, I would hope that we don't, um, bring a sport here that we can't support to, to sort of aspire to that very high level. I don't think it's healthy when you have some, some teams that, you know, can aim for one, one level and some teams that, that can aim for it all. You know, it's, um, my, my hope would be that we sort of bring everybody up. Um, so in, in the near term, I, I don't expect that we'll be adding any new sports. 
So a bird, a bird told me that your first job was uh, a DJ at a country <laughs> music station. Is that wow, true? Wow, interesting. You dug and that do, one out. And do you have any input in any of the music that's played at any of our Colgate events, uh, any oh, of the sporting competitions? <laughs> oh, that's a loaded question. Um, so yes, <laughs> yes, I was. I was a weekend DJ for three years at KMEM-FM. At the time, it was 96.7. Um and uh, didn't like country at that time. Learned to like it, and um, and so, so the the music at our events, you know, I think our our staff actually does a really fantastic job of of creating, um, you know, at events. In my you know my perspective on it is you're you're really creating a, an environment for mostly for fans. Um, because while it's important to student athletes to have that music, you know, in those competitive venues. I hope they're not listening to it. You know what I mean? Like they've got other things they're focused on. So, um, so yeah, so it's really about creating an experience for, for those who are there. Interestingly, this year we've been able to play, you know, really whatever our student athletes are most interested in because there's no one there, but, um, but, but in the normal year, that is, that is my opinion that, (laughs) that we, um, that we, we create a place that where people know, like, I, I love the idea of a, of a soundtrack, you know, or, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, when you come to one of our events, you can expect to hear some of your favorite songs, um, that, that just the, where you build that association. Um, I would love for us, you know, I, I heard recently that, um, price chopper has a Spotify channel. And if you, if you listen, when you go to price chopper, price chopper has really good music. Um, I didn't notice it before I heard that, but like, I'll reserve Maybe. comment on Price Shopper's that's, music. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. But here's the thing. I'm like, I think I think we should aspire to have such great music at our events that we have a Colgate Athletic Spotify channel. I'm, I'm throwing down the gauntlet. Love it. That's a great idea. All right. You've reached question 13. Ah, very good. So one of your lesser known attributes that folks may not know is your ability to ride a unicycle. Oh, goodness so how, how did you get into, how did you decide one day that you were going to roll around on a single oh. wheel and have you ever broke it out on campus? Like maybe after a big win or something. <laughs> the unicycle is like this long saga. So in some ways it's a good, like, it's sort of like a Rorschach test, you know? Um, it, it says less about the test and more about the person, but so my sister had gotten a unicycle from Santa, um, at some point and it traveled to a couple of different houses with my families. My sister's three years older. She's fantastic, but she was not interested in the unicycle. (laughs) My mom decides she's having a garage sale. And so puts the unicycle out of the garage sale. And I was like in fifth grade and I was, I, I objected to the unicycle being in the garage sale. And she said, well, then learn how to ride it or it's going in the next garage sale. So she threw down the gauntlet and that summer, um, I just taught myself how to ride the unicycle alongside the the front of the house. And, um, it has come in oddly handy, um, for a while or in several different occasions. I have not broken it out on the Colgate campus. However, last spring, when we'd had this long sort of stretch of um, division meetings on Zoom, and we thought it was a long stretch, right? Like we're in the middle of May and we thought it was a long stretch. Um, <laughs> so, and we decided that we would have a talent show for our the family, the children of our division 
on Zoom. Um, and we thought, well, we'll do it. We'll test it with with us first, um, and then we'll do it with the children the next week. And anyway, so I did. I did pull out the unicycle for the talent show last spring. Um, but I, I think my staff might be a little bit traumatized from that. So, um, yeah. But you know, I, it's it's a strange. It's one of those good like what what do we not know about you kinds of things so there you go perfect for a 13th question (laughs) yes yes indeed well vice president moore thank you so much for joining us for the show oh thank you i had a had a great time talking with you and and thank you so much for the really good work that you and your colleagues do i mean just the the level of production that um the colgate uh, communications office puts out um, you know, week in and week out is, is really amazing. So thanks for all that you do to, to help us be, be great. Well, thank you. It's teamwork as, uh, yeah. as it all goes. So that was 13. Tell your friends and family about the podcast. If you have any questions, please send them along to 13 at colgate.edu. That's 13, the number, uh, be well. And as always keep asking questions. is a production of the Colgate University Office of Communications. Audio engineering by Brian Ness. Logo art by Catrail Pritz. Executive producer, Laura Jack. And I'm your host and producer, Dan DeVries. Visit colgatemagazine.com and colgateresearchmagazine.com for more in-depth faculty research stories.